0: Welcome in. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined with Basketball Edition. I know this comes off as a little odd uh, as we start uh, football training camp, but I wanted to get a basketball show in. I I, I would assume here for the next at least five, six weeks, we're going to be doing strictly football shows. I wanted to get a basketball show in uh, before we got into that stretch through training camp and then uh, the start of the football season, And to do a basketball show, I had to uh, bring on a special guest. He has worked with what used to be Bearcat Lair in the past, and then our paths separated for many, many moons. But now he is back under the 24-7 sports family umbrella. He is back with Shannon Terry. I know it means a lot to him. I know it means a lot to him to be on this podcast. Berg, help me welcome in the guy that considers himself a legend, Brian Snow.
1: I don't consider myself a legend. I... Just am a legend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you Sycamore guys, man. I tell you what. Did Did you hear the news that uh, your your Sycamore buddy is no longer with Cincinnati?
1: I'm gonna need a little bit more information than that.
0: Brandon Sasna is no longer uh, oh. chief of staff.
1: He you is- know, like I think the last time I saw Brandon, he was probably like four <laughs> at his brother's bar mitzvah. <laughs> like I've known his brother since we were like. Preschool, who hey, Robbie? Like, yeah, I, I used to cheat off his older brother in, in high school <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing in a class, and he was sitting next to me. He'd be like, "It's that one. Just just look at my test." So that's fantastic. Family, I'm forever indebted.
0: Well, you actually probably Brandon's the one to get to know because he is uh, rising quickly. Um, he he took a job uh, working for the general manager for the Cleveland Browns. So. At 24 years old, he's gone from uh, chief of staff in the Cincinnati Athletic Department to uh, an assistant to the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. So you might have picked the wrong one to know.
1: <laughs> Jeff's got it going pretty good in Cincy too. Now. Yeah, very true. Very true.
0: But uh, we've got a lot to get to today. So, uh, Bergie and I are going to get to some, uh, some basketball stuff, but we're going to talk to Snow about recruiting first. Brian was uh, out on the road more than me this July. Brian, doing football and basketball is no fun. Uh, I got caught That's why in, I tried to avoid it. I know. I got caught where I had a football camp. I had to cover the second evaluation period. And then because they took away two-a-days, they started camp a week early. So the third evaluation period, I was at a camp at Nippert Stadium for the Cincinnati Bearcats. So I did not get to spend my normal uh, two to three weeks out on the road in July. Brian did, so I wanted to have him on now that the uh, scout family is part of the 24-7 family. And uh, Brian... Take us through uh, July. What I want to know, what I want you to give the people a, a sense of, how much should people put into, like, who their coaches were watching in July? Like, if, if hypothetically, and, and this was pretty true, Mick Cronin was at almost all of Tyler Harris's games, does that give you the assumption that Tyler Harris is the guy that they're, they're targeting primarily right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the head coach can only be one place. And he's going to be with the guys that they feel are most important. Um, so anytime the head coach is tracking someone closely through multiple events, that's a pretty good sign. Like, hey, we really want this guy. Uh, so you have that now. Some what needs to be said is some kids take that differently than others. For some kids, they're like constantly keeping score. Like UC head coach today, check mark. Only Iowa State assistant or three UC coaches. Whereas some kids, they don't care; they couldn't care less. It means nothing to them. I don't specifically know which which bucket Tyler falls into, but you know, some kids take that more seriously than others. So it's just something to pay attention to, but it's it's not always a very important thing. But sometimes it's a complete game changing thing.
0: And and Tyler Harris was a guy that I believe Cincinnati had somebody at one of his games, at least the entire second and third evaluation period and I believe at almost all of the first evaluation period. So he seems to be a guy that, that they have dialed in on. Uh, I know you've seen him a lot. You're the one that's covering that recruitment for scout. Um, tell me about his game and, and what it is you think that Mick Cronin is so attracted to with the kid.
1: You know, it's interesting. He's not he's not a what you would typically imagine one of Mick Cronin's guards to be. He's not a big physical kid who, who's a really good defender. You know, he's not that tri- Troy Copain type. He's kind of like he's 5'9 on a good day, average athlete, but just really knows how to play, can make shots, you know, kind of makes the right pass, just solid all around. But then you look at the box score and it's like, wow, he had 20. And you're like, I wasn't blown away, but 20 pretty good. So he's just one of those kids and he does nothing that really like completely is going to make a coach like flip through the book, like who's that kid? But when you look at it at the end of the day, he's going to help your team win.
0: He's a guy, and you mentioned I think you know he's not a Troy Copain type, but he is kind of a Kane Broom type, a little bit smaller. Although Kane, people don't realize Kane Broom is six one. Uh, he's not a, a five nine kid. He's just really skinny, so he seems yeah. a little bit smaller. But it, it's a it's a shift I think for Mick Cronin where he's seen what. Kane can do over this past year in practice and what difference he brings to the program. And I think recruiting wise, he's, he's thinking to himself, I need to go out and find me another guy like that, uh, that, that knows how to put points on the board and knows how to play and, and really understands the game. And from what I saw of Tyler Harris, when I was at, at Under Armour, the first weekend, he, he kind of fits
1: that mold. Yeah. I mean, definitely. He's offense first, smart player, Good kid, plays hard, just is going to – he's going to be an extension of what Mick is, you know, an extension of the coach. So Mick, Mick's going to get solid play from him if they were able to land him. So I think that's what appeals to Mick. And then the fact that, like you said, he, he's seen what it's like to have a more offensively gifted backcourt with firepower. And even though Tyler Harris is never going to be confused with like Allen Iverson or something like that, he's a kid who does score. That's what he does first and foremost.
2: You kind of like Trey Burke a little bit?
1: The, Trey pounded the crap out of the basketball, yeah. and I don't mean okay. that negative Offensively,
2: though? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right.
1: So Trey's always kind of dribbling and just really pounded the ball, pounded the ball, pounded the ball. Uh, Tyler's not quite like that. He's more like move the ball, catch and shoot, stuff like that. Big-time shooter, though. I mean, from yeah, what I
0: thought, you can really shoot the basketball.
1: Yeah, he's a really good shooter. He's, you know, he's. I don't want people thinking we're saying he's Larry Bird or no. something, but he's a really good shooter. And yeah, that's where I was going with that. What about end to end? The speed, good speed. Not, not it, again. Like he's just not a kid. Like physically, that's going to blow you away. Uh, you know, he's not super big, not super fast, but he's just fast enough. He's just big enough. He shoots good enough. Like, and you put it all together, and I think honestly, the the sum of the the whole comes out ahead of the sum of the parts because of it.
0: Um, what do you, I know you're still working on gathering some information on that recruitment overall, but what do you know about where things stand with him? It sounds like Iowa state kind of had an early lead. I know Cincinnati is pushing hard. It sounds like Memphis is trying to, uh, to, to make a play there after not showing him much attention until he became the MVP at the fab 48, the third weekend. Um, I don't think he, he doesn't seem like a tubby guard to me, but that's, that's, for a different day, and then Tennessee offered today as well. So, obviously, with new offers coming in and everything kind of reshuffling after July, things are changing a bit, but it feels like there is a little bit of structure in there.
1: Yeah, I think I think Ole Miss is involved as well. They, they tend to recruit Norton Heard's program pretty yeah. closely, and they, I know they're looking for a point guard, so I think they're involved as well. Yeah, I know, you know the kid had a good visit to Iowa State. I know he speaks very fondly of UC and the effort they're putting in. Uh, typically, kids from uh, Team Thad, they, they take some visits and then they go from there. I would expect Tyler to make at least a couple more visits after July here coming up and then kind of really narrow it down. There tends not to be too much drama with those kids. And Tyler's got his head on his shoulders pretty good. So I, I would think you know a couple visits, maybe UC, maybe Tennessee, maybe you know Ole Miss, maybe some. And then he'll kind of get it figured out and decide where he wants to go. Does he
0: seem like a kid that it, it would... It would stand out to him that the head coach has been making him a priority?
1: Honestly, I just don't know. Don't know. Okay. Um, you know, it, I don't think there's like a mold of kid that like, uh, you know, a lot of the times it's the parents more than the kid yeah. that are keeping score. I don't know if his, you know, mom, dad, uncle, grandfather made trips out. So, and heard, you could tell heard like, yeah, heard. I was there. Like, I, I saw you coach and you weren't <laughs> even in the same city. So, you know, <laughs>
2: Um, does he does he grade out as a, a three or a four star somewhere in that range?
1: Uh, yeah, he's going to be. We ha- honestly, Evan and Josh are in the on their little European vacation right now, watching the FIBA U whatever. Why didn't Estonia. you get invited to that?
0: No Estonia for snow?
1: Yeah, you know I'm from Cincinnati. That's a long way from Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, um, so we haven't had a chance to really start discussing that too much, but I would guess he's more of a high three star kid. And I think people, unfortunately, the way this whole thing has developed is, like, three stars become a bad thing. And the reality is, like, if you're a high three-star kid, that means you're a really good player. And that truly means by the time you're a junior or a senior, we expect you to perform like a five-star freshman. And so I don't think people kind of grasp what it means to get, like, you know, the even though we only go out to 100, the number 158 player in the country. Like, that's a really good basketball
0: and really, Brian, between 75 and 150, there's not – I mean, it's splitting hairs oh, 90% complete. of the time.
1: Yeah, completely.
2: Which is where Keith Williams falls, uh, you know, the 6'5 guard coming in this season. He was about one in the 130s or so, something like that.
1: Uh, You know, did we, we might have even moved him up in the top 100. Honestly, like, everyone would know better than me. If he didn't end up in our final top 100, he's like 105 or something like that. He had yeah. a really good senior year, played well in front of me a couple times. And you know, Keith's going to be a really good player at Cincinnati. Uh, I can confirm
0: that after seeing him in workouts the past couple weeks, he's going to be really good. Um, another guy that they they spent well, two guys that they they spent a lot of time watching, uh, Nate Henton, uh, the point guard for uh, Team Loaded North Carolina, and then as a result of watching Nate Henton, they also offered and, and really like Landers Nolly Noli from uh, Team Loaded North Carolina. Uh, what. With Hinton, let's start with Hinton. I know there was some feeling, and I don't know how much you got to see them. Um, there was some feeling that he was he was not a point guard coming into July. But from what I saw of him at uh, Spartanburg at the Adidas finals, he looked like a point guard to me. I, I don't know if that's a transition he's making, but he played strictly the one for that team, had great control of the team, it felt like, and and took them to the championship game of that event.
1: You know, in, in Spartanburg, he, he didn't look like a point guard to me. He looked like an NBA all-star. He was really now, good. <laughs> now, he came back to earth a little bit the next two weeks, but yeah. he's still a good player. Um, I think he can play some point guard, but I, I do think it'd be a bit of a transition. He, decision-making can sometimes yeah, waver, shall we say. Uh, but he can handle the ball. He's big. He's a good athlete. Now, he can't shoot a gun. He no. just can't shoot at all. But he does everything else pretty well. So, you know, and then physical tools are there. One thing with Nate is he's really old. I think he's darn near 20. Wow. So you you question, like, how much how much growth potential is still there. But, you know, he's a really good player. I know he's got an official visit to Houston coming up maybe next week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And th- they've done the most work with Nate. Um, but this offer explosion, I think, has slowed down his timeline a little bit. And obviously that could play in UC's favor. Well, and uh, UC has – he's
0: – UC is one of the schools. They weren't pushing as hard as Houston was. But yeah. UC is one of those schools that has been involved for quite a while. Uh, so they at least get a little bit of a bump in that where they had some – familiar. he had some familiarity with Larry Davis uh, before he got, what, 18 offers in, in four days? Cause that's, that's good. And Spartan, that's typically man, good. in Spartanburg, he was – I mean, he was just unbelievable good.
1: Yeah, he couldn't – like, he'll never repeat that ever again. <laughs> but – it was. He picked a good time to have the best week of his life. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: No question. Uh, Landers Noley, that and he also in Spartanburg. Were you there the first two days, or did you come after that?
1: No, I was in Under Armour the first two days.
0: The first two days, he looked like the best player in, in the gym. I mean, he he was unbelievably good, and then he cooled off a little bit, and he was kind of up and down the rest of July. But that's a kid that that screams kind of ACC big wing type uh, six foot six six foot five six foot six can really shoot it Uh, pretty good athlete needs to work on his handle a little bit but he had a great
1: July as well yeah you know he's one of those kids you kind of look at it you probably don't want to play in the two very much because he doesn't handle it well but he could probably play the three yeah could probably play the four as a small ball four kind of that that three and d guy that the NBA talks about so much so and you know, he's an impressive kid in terms of six six, athletic, long, makes shots. When he's really got it going, he you know just because of that physical combination, it looks really impressive. And, and he had some really good games. And you know, I know Auburn's been involved for a while. Um, you know, Cincinnati offered a whole bunch of whole bunch of schools in, in the uh, SEC and ACC are seriously oh. in there. So it'll be interesting to see what he, he keeps kind of a low profile. So it'll be interesting to see where it develops over the next month.
0: Um, got, gonna, go ahead, Berg. No, I'm just watching
2: highlights of Landers Nolley. He's got he looks what was he, six six, six seven? He's got good, he's uh, good a hops and yes, yeah, nice stroke on a little fadeaway they showed and you said he can hit threes and he looks like he's got real good quickness and bounce. You know, looks like he could be a good defender. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Looking at just looking at that quick film. Keep going, Chad.
0: All right. A guy I know you've seen quite
1: a bit snow, Dwayne
0: Washington Jr. Thoughts.
1: Yeah, you know, this was a kid David DeJulius, who's committed to Michigan, played point ball guard hog. for the family. and he doesn't like giving the ball up very often. So Ever. you didn't get to see what what he, what uh, he could do when with DeJulius there. What Dwayne could do with Julius there. So so DeJulius didn't play in July. He quote retired. I didn't know. I don't know. Didn't know people retired from AAU basketball, but he did. That's so fantastic!
0: By the way, I have not heard that one yet. That is yeah. A, he retired. Phenomenal. He
1: retired. Um, so once once Dwayne got a chance to shine a little bit more, Gabe Brown, who's committed to Michigan State on that team, didn't play very much in July either. He really shot the blood out of the basketball, so to speak. I almost said something different; that would have been poor. Um, almost shot. He he shot the blood out of the basketball, and a lot. Of, and he just had a chance to do more with the ball, and it was kind of more his show playing with the family. So we got to see a little bit more of Dwayne Washington, and and a lot of schools have come in since then and are are really intrigued by him. Combo guard? Yeah, I I would say leans more too, but, you know, it it was kind of tough to tell because DeJulius had the ball so much.
0: A question on a different guy. What what were your thoughts on Jalen Llewellyn to Princeton?
1: Good for that kid. I mean, I wouldn't have done it. I don't want to go to school in Princeton. I don't (laughs) like school. I don't like class. But good for him. <laughs> do what you want to do.
0: Did you think that is about the right level for him or do you think he was was No, nah, he's of a better man, than that. He's better than. That. He good. He good. Okay. I was just curious on your thoughts on that because that was a guy Cincinnati. I mean, as we all know, Brian. You get three things when you when you sign up to play for Team Loaded. You get your shoes, you get your uniform,
1: and you get a Cincinnati offer. They do like recruiting them from Team Loaded. There's no question. And now that there's two Team Loaded's, that's a lot of offers going out.
0: <laughs> they've only landed one. Trico Cobain's the only guy from Team Loaded they've landed. But every year i got to go watch Team Loaded because eight kids on the roster have an offer.
1: <laughs> it's all about consistency. <laughs> uh,
0: another guy I know they were really intrigued by is Keyshawn Embry, a uh, kid from Oklahoma, played for Oklahoma. Uh,
1: PWP. Yeah. Um Play with purpose if you're scoring at home.
0: I, I like him quite a bit.
1: Yeah, he was he was really good at the Under Armour camp in front of Evan. Uh, kid who can shoot the ball, good speed, kind of combo guard who I think leans to being a point guard. Yeah, I think there's a chance we're going to put him in the top 100. I I don't know a ton about his recruitment. That's not my uh, not my guy, but uh, I, I like him as a player, and I think he's someone who can really is really going to help a college team win a lot of games.
0: The frustrating thing with him, Snow, is I saw them play Team Charlotte, and that was what I would call not fair.
1: But Devin Dotson's good at basketball.
0: I mean, is he going to be a top ten guy? He Like, he, he is, right?
1: Ten's I, I, aggressive, because at the end of the day, Dottie's he's still. He, yeah, but you you got other guys, like, yeah. you got to figure, yeah. like, Bull Bull, like Nas Reed, like, just dudes who are going to get better, even though they frustrate you. But I don't think he's going to be – if he's not in the top ten, I don't think he's going to be far from it. Man, Man. he's a kid that – that
0: team Charlotte always has, like, dudes that can – that are probably mid-mid-plus guys that really play hard and really get after it. And it feels like they're in the semifinals and finals of almost every tournament they play. And you add a kid like that to the rest of those guys, he was fun to watch. And that – Keyshawn Embry's team had no –
1: Frickin' shots, no.
0: It was evident in the first, like, four and a half minutes.
1: Yeah, sometimes we all get bad matchups in life.
0: They were playing, and and Team Thad was playing uh, a couple courts away, and I watched four and a half minutes of that game, and I said, I'm going to go watch Tyler Harris, because this isn't fair, and Keyshawn <laughs> Embry doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> this is just mean. It was not fair at all. All right, before we let you go, let's get with the, uh, the 2019 prospect that is uh, – Garnering a lot of national attention now, everybody is talking about him after his performance, the second and third evaluation period, Alonzo Gaffney, um, you had a chance to talk to him out in Vegas, uh, you had a chance to see him play, he's a guy that both of us were a little frustrated with coming into July because we were waiting for the that, to see if the light switch would ever go on.
1: We've I wouldn't even say frustrated. No, not frustrated but
0: uh, giving up on him. Yeah, probably what I would say. Pretty much written him off, and I and I want to express that to people. Like, I don't think people understand. Like, yeah, he had a really good July, but I said pre-July, like he's going to have to turn it on if he even wants Cincinnati to keep coming to his games.
1: Yeah, like I want people to understand this. I watched him play in high school this year. He scored zero points on 0 for two shooting. Now, it's one thing to have a bad game where you go one for 14. That happens to everybody. Good players do not go 0 for 2. Right. Like, that's – he went 0 for (laughs) 2. And then I bounced back and I saw him in the spring and he managed to up his production to three points. So I'm like looking at this dude like, okay, mid-major player, next one. And then, you know, I got – it's the second evaluation period. They're playing in Louisville. I got everyone calling me asking for his phone number. And then I have one coach and hit me and say, he's Rudy Gay. And I'm like, whoa are we watching – Alonzo Gaffney, right? Ohio Basketball Club, like <laughs> six, seven, like long kid. They're like, yeah, he's unbelievable. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I went to go watch him in Vegas, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense.
0: Not the same kid. I'm this kid's a there's legit, there's legit like five star talk for him now after two weeks. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I I just I'm baffled. Good for the kid, but yeah. What? Just why the heck didn't you play this way like the previous sixteen years of your life? So, Cincinnati on that one.
0: Obviously, they go way back. Uh, Mick has known his dad for a long time. He comes into town every weekend for homecoming football game. Alonzo's with him. They come down to practice. They're around the program. He knows everybody in the program, all the players. So you have to think Cincinnati's in a decent spot to start, but there's some heavy hitters now that are swimming towards him real fast.
1: Yeah, you know, Indiana, Ohio State, and Louisville have all offered. Um, Michigan State's watching. I don't know if Hugs is offered or not. His dad was pre hugs right? Yeah, his dad was in the 80s. Okay. Good. That means I don't feel bad for not remembering him. <laughs> you were a
0: baby, baby. Like if you were even around when he played, I think it was early to mid '80s when the Bearcats were um, not very good.
1: So I, I probably came into this world while he was playing at UC. There's a decent Everything pre about '91 is a little fuzzy. So
0: it was pre. So, then, so yeah.
1: Yeah. So I all right. I got a pass there, but yeah. I mean, you know. UC's gonna have a, has he, UC, when I had talked to him, hadn't offered yet, but they did have two coaches at the game. I
0: think that's a situation where, like, you're seeing everybody now jump in and offer because they haven't built any relationship anymore, especially for, like, rising juniors. That offer is kind of like, hey, we're interested.
1: Yeah. Cincinnati and did I'm, I'm sure Mick that. can say, like, you know, if you want to commit here, trust me, you can. Right. Uh, you know, we'll offer you when you're ready to commit. Type of deal. But yeah, there, there's going to be heavy hitters involved there, and I think it's only going to expand. Now, how how he wants to handle his recruitment, I genuinely do not know at this point in time. But I would expect him to try to get stroked a little bit and have a little fun in the process, if nothing else. There's nothing wrong with that. No, nah, I know I would.
0: Go on some visits, probably meet some nice young college
1: co-eds while you're there. Like, I'm trying to think, like I'd certainly visit USC because I went out there for a football game. buddy. Ooh, buddy. I would definitely go to Ole Miss. There's no question about that. <laughs> Texas would get an official visit, which is funny if you know why that's funny. And Chad, you do. I Texas would get an official visit. Um, Where else would get an official visit? I've heard. I've heard. Uh, Florida State would get an official visit. There's a lot of Arizona. talent there in Tallahassee. And probably Arizona. Arizona State, State. absolutely. Yeah. Arizona State. Those would be my five officials, and trust me, I would take them all. And you probably I wouldn't, wouldn't consider even consider any of those. Yeah, five you wouldn't schools, commit would to focus. any of those schools, but you would take a visit to all no. of
0: them. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because it's it's always interesting when you see those guys that out of no, you know, they, they come out of nowhere in July. And for us, this is a kid we've been tracking for a long time because we've known of him and we've seen him do nothing multiple times. Like I saw him um, where I, I saw him somewhere in the spring.
1: He did
0: yeah, he did nothing. Absolutely nothing.
1: Three, three points. Three. I saw him get three.
0: And you, you, we're talking
1: to each other, going, "I don't think this
0: kid's ever going to get it. <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to figure out how to play." And then the first evaluation period, he wasn't all that good. I don't think. He's okay. I, he was like a little better than he had been in the spring, but then all of a sudden, like you said in July, in the second, all of a sudden he's on everybody's lips. And in the third evaluation period, he's a five star. (laughs) Like it's crazy how it happens, and it can happen that
1: fast for a kid. Yeah, I mean, like, and just so people don't think we're crazy, like Frank Kaminsky went from averaging two points to national player of the year overnight. It can happen, and and that was in college. I mean, like Bo Ryan wanted wanted him to transfer, and he became the national player of the year the next year.
0: Darius (laughs) Paisley. There were points in time yeah. in his junior year where we thought, this kid's never going to figure it out.
1: Yeah. Well, think about Cincinnati right now, the city of, in the city. Darius Baisley averaged, what, eight points a game during high school, yeah. probably? Going yeah, to Syracuse, probable McDonald's All-American, looks like a potential potential NBA player. Jackson Hayes played like four minutes a game, now has offers from almost everybody in the Midwest. There was a 6'3 white kid that started over him at Moeller. And, like, so, you know, I'm skeptical. I'm Brian Snow. I'm the smartest person in the room. I watch him down in Spartanburg, and I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, he's a mid-major player. Don't give me this high-major stuff. Then I got coaches telling me, like, Snow, you're an idiot. And they do that often, and, you know, usually they're wrong because coaches are idiots. <laughs> so then I go back and watch him in a, in a Vegas. Now, granted, I was probably still intoxicated, but you know what? We're willing to overlook that. And I'm watching the kid, and I'm like, wow, I'd take him anywhere in the country. A kid who couldn't play at Moeller, I would take it any conference in the country. I don't know what's going on in Cincinnati right now. <laughs> it's not normal. No, like what we're seeing, this is abnormal.
0: There, When was the last time there were two high major guys in the city at the same time? It's been a minute. I and, mean, and guys that were actually high major good, not just that ended up at a high major.
1: You you know, you had the run back when I first started with, like, Adrian Graves, James Dews, um, guys like that. You had Billy Walker, O.J., um, who else was in the city at that point? But it it was good, you know, even though it was nuts, Heath White, Herky. I mean, you had had a lot of guys rolling around, but it's been dry for a little while. Now, all of a sudden, and then if you include, you know, C.J. Frederick lives in Cincinnati. He's at worst an upper mid-major player. Jake Walter, I've got multiple Big Ten schools from Calf calling me like, man, Jake Walter's 6'10", he runs well, good hands, good touch, he's just he's 16 years old. Imagine if he was in the 2019 class, we'd be all over him. Yep. So it would shock me if Jake Walter gets three or four Big Ten offers, and I'm not talking Big Ten offers from Penn State, I'm talking like schools that try to win the Big Ten.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> all right, Snow. Well, I think we've uh, we've we've gotten all we need from you on our first guest appearance by the legend Brian Snow. I don't know how this is going to go over on the Xavier site when they find out that you were on. They really like me over there. I, I must say, Snow, there's a lot of people on that site that are really concerned for my well-being.
1: Chet, here, here's what I'll say. Does anyone really like you, or do they just put up with you?
0: Nobody likes me, and I'm okay with it. Okay.
1: So, like, you should just, like, accept that just people don't like you. No, I I I accepted that that. a long time ago. Paul Dockery clearly doesn't like me. Um, So we'll just go
0: on. No, I'm good with it. I'm I'm just – what I'm saying is anytime I come up, there's a lot of people that are really genuinely concerned for my future and my well-being. And I I appreciate that. You do cough a lot. Well, it's not the coughing thing either, though. They're like, he's never going to make it if all he is is a Cincinnati fan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you're not going to make it. You're Brendel.
0: I mean, I'm doing all right. Bearcat Journal's doing all right these days. So I'm because of Berg's it. hard work. Berg, Berg <laughs> Brian, Berg this summer has not worked at all.
1: Yeah, that's
2: I have. Working I've been, that, that's working I've been, smart. I've been working landscaping as hard as you
1: possibly can. I have
0: been working.
1: He missed. So Berg's, Berg's jacked up now with a tan. And married. He got married over married. the summer. Well, that was just a poor, that was a poor life choice. (laughs) So I'm not married. I am telling you in July, the advice I hear from college coaches about 20 times a day, snow, whatever you do, don't get married. Just don't (laughs) do it.
0: This also coming from guys that are spending a month away from home with six of those days being in Las Vegas unsupervised.
1: As I said, it's the advice I get.
0: <laughs> I would just say consider the source possibly on some of that <laughs> advice. Just potentially. Potentially. But Berg is self-admittedly like the biggest UC basketball fan in the world. He picked his wife in part because she allowed him to watch the end of a game instead of going out with her like he had planned. And, like, a month ago we were doing a podcast, and I mentioned the the UC Florida uh, game that's coming up at uh, the Prudential Center in December, and Berg said, We're playing Florida? That's how out of touch he's been. I, I broke that story in like April. And Berg didn't even know it in the beginning of July.
1: You know, guy changes sometimes, and not for the better. Well, well
0: he's married uh, now.
1: I, well, I just have to catch back. Apologize, on the Berg. Apologize.
2: I did when it happened. I, I definitely did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So- just so you know, Berg, direct flight to EWR from CVG. You get on the New Jersey Transit; it lets you off right next to the Prudential Center. It's literally like an eight-minute, eight-minute train ride to Prudential. You could fly back that night; no hotel needed.
2: Wow, I've already got my flight booked for L.A. though for December fifteenth, the game, the day before the UCLA game, so that's definitely happening. Yeah, well, well but
1: the you're game I could do you too. you can get yeah. up to three oh five in under a day. Good luck. <laughs>
2: that's well, very true. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go though. I gotta get to Pauly. Maybe I can meet Bill Walton. I, I see, I have, that I have, game
1: will be on Fox though. I right? think so. Yeah. Because is this the year like the Pac-12 goes full Fox? I think I'm not I could be po- wrong.
0: I, I'm not positive, but it's coming up either this year or next year. I think.
1: Yeah, because I thought the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are like Fox now, or I don't. know. Maybe it's be on ESPN. I
0: Berg, I don't know if you could hang with Bill Walton. He smokes a lot
1: of weed. Well, that is I mean, an I'm... accusation and slander. He, says <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: he, he admits it. He says he does it. Slander. He is I'm go... okay with it.
2: I'm going to go with a no comment on that one.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, Snow. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for coming on. Right. That was the legend, Brian Snow. Nice to have Snow back in the network. If he could, he would probably take it back, but... Back when we first started, when I first started, when uh, Bearcat, Bearcat Layer was with Rivals, Snow was a big help in uh, getting me started in the recruiting game and uh, introducing me to a lot of the, the people and allowing me to get my feet wet. So I appreciate him for that, and now it's nice to have him back in the fold. Uh, he is on the road all year long covering high school basketball recruiting, so that is a, uh, a resource that I am glad to have back at our fingertips and to be able to have him on the show we only planned on 20 minutes. we got about 35. So uh, that's your introduction for a lot of our members here to the one and only Brian Snowberg. Thoughts on anything Snow had to say?
2: Well, the, the idea of the three and the four-star thing and how that, you know, that means that they're expected to be to perform like a five-star freshman by the time they get to a junior. because so I know that's a big topic. Uh, you know that that people like to bring up, you know, what's he ranked, all that stuff, and they say, you know, there's a lot of complaints. UC isn't getting enough four stars, five stars, et cetera. Um, so, you know, but it, that's just the way that it is, and and you can still make a three, get a three star, and he can end up being pretty darn good. So, I, I just, I guess, I didn't understand the, the the rating system the way that he explained it. So it was good to hear that.
0: Yeah, and that's coming from a guy that's been doing national rankings for a decade. So. He has some understanding. Him and I had some heated exchanges over Keith Williams uh, last year and Keith not being in the top 100. Um, I don't think they put him in, but I do know he was right there just on the outside. He was one of those guys they considered for one of those last spots in the scout top 100 uh, in the 2017 class. And he's right. Keith Williams is going to be a very, very good Bearcat. And uh, I can say now, Berg, after a couple weeks of watching the new guys – this is going to be a really good recruiting class. I don't, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't care. I know it's, it's, it's the network and it's what it's all about and, and people get caught up in the hype and the rankings. For me, get good players in the program. Get guys that fit. Get guys that, that play hard and, and want to be coached and know how to play. And you're going to be in great shape. And that's where the program is right now. And they got four guys that can play. Ellie needs to to learn a little bit on offense. He's got to slow down some. He's going about 950 miles an hour now when he gets the basketball. He needs some of that to come to him, but that's his game. He plays at 950 miles an hour, so it's not a surprise that he struggles a little bit offensively because he's moving too fast. But other than that, man, I, I'm really impressed with the four that they brought in. I think Ellie and Mamadou are going to take a little bit of time um, because big guys take a little bit longer to develop, for one, and and two, they haven't been playing basketball all their life, so they've got some catching up to do. But I think both those kids are going to be really good. And, and I've said it all summer Trevor Moore is way farther along in the process than I thought he was going to be when he got to campus. The kid knows how to play, he's not just a, a standstill three point shooter. He can defend, he can pass, he knows how to use the pump fake and, and use two dribbles. Um, he's not like a world-class ball handler by any stretch of the imagination, but the kid understands how to play the game, and, and I think that's critical, and, and Keith Williams is going to be really good. I I really like what I saw from this freshman class this summer.
2: So I've got right here, Chad, I've got three verses here. So what, what I'm thinking of is is at a specific position on the team where the starter versus the reserve, and so I wanted to get your thoughts on, um, and, and actually, one of them, this isn't the order I expected to go in, but since you were just talking about Keith and Trevor, um, Keith and Trevor versus Jacob and Jaren, um battling. Like you, you mentioned earlier, I think on the last podcast, that uh, you know, they're both big city kids. They're not going to be scared. And um, going against kind of small town kids, um, not that that really is a huge thing, but, I mean, you know, it, it is a factor. So um, what have you seen from Keith and Trevor versus Jacob and Jaron? Thus far,
0: I mean they're not as far along as as Jacob and Jaron, obviously, because they haven't had the extended time in the program. But it's exactly what you just said. Those kids aren't backing down from anybody. They're not. They're not, you know, just giving the nod to Jacob and Jaron like, hey, we're not. They're here to compete. Those two. So they're not going to back down from those two guys. They're going to come at them. They're going to get their butt kicked fairly regularly this year as they get adjusted to everything. But. Just that mentality that both of them have, it's going to make when they when they do, you know, go to the red and black team. Right now there's a red team, a black team, a white team, because they're doing, they were doing pretty much four on four all summer. But once they split it up into the red and the black team, you're going to have Keith and Trevor guarding Jacob and Jaron every day. And I don't see any back down in those two kids. I just don't see those two saying, hey, you guys are the starters and we're just here to... You know, pick up any minutes that you guys don't want to play. I, I think both of those kids came in here with the mindset that they're going to play and they're going to play early, and they're going to deserve to be on the floor.
2: So we know that Keith's a big time athlete. Um, his body so far is he a little frail, a little thin, or does he? Not I mean, really. How much, no. how much does he have to put on to, to get to where they think he needs to be?
0: I, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to talk to, to Coach Rayfeld about just where they want him yet, but he's not unfunctionally thin, yeah, he needs to to get in you know work on the upper body a little bit, work on you know his base, his core, and get it a little bit stronger but he's he's not a weak kid by any stretch of the imagination, and he's really long and he's super athletic he got what twelve foot one on the vertical uh for a six five wing is incredibly bouncy um He's going to be. I don't. I'll have a better answer for that when I get a chance to yeah. talk to Coach Rayfeld on exactly where they want him. But I can't imagine it's much more than two ten, two fifteen, and he's not far off from that now. He, you know, he didn't come in at one seventy. I know right. that. So he came in one so, one eighty five, one ninety somewhere in there. If they can get him to two hundred five, I think he'd be right where yeah. they want him to be.
2: So as far as his game and, and what you've seen, I know they don't they don't do a whole lot in the summer. Like you said, there's no five on five, and I, I saw him in five on five last summer, and I, I mean it definitely you know stood out his his defense and uh, his his quickness and athleticism, and his, his shot was pretty smooth too. He had good arc, good rotation. I mean, what have you seen in the, the limited time you see seen him this summer? Um, as far as like what you expect his game to be like his first year at, at UC.
0: I think he's going to be a guy that's that's really 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 good in the open court, which is going to be something that really complements Kane Broom really well. Um, he's he's very active in the passing lanes as a defender. A, a lot of a lot of where he would set a guy up and they would throw a little bit of a lazy pass and he's just waiting on it to steal it and take it down and dunk it. Um, he's got good anticipation. He's a high IQ kid. He knows the game and understands the game. I think he's a lot like Jaron, uh, in that sense. Except he's got the athleticism that Jaron does, doesn't naturally have. Um, I, you know, his shooting is probably going to be something that's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. But I think he can be a guy that shoots, you know, thirty-three, thirty-four percent as a freshman from three. Um, he's not a guy that I expect to be, you know, a forty percent shooter from deep right away. He's not a a bang bang knockdown guy. But he'll have enough to keep the defenses honest as long as he he does what he's expected to do. And then he just can create havoc in the open floor. And he gets to the rim really well. He he explodes off of the floor. He knows how to finish on either side with either hand. Um, I think he's going to be an exciting change of pace guy for that backcourt.
2: You do know that that is virtually the same scouting report that people had for Dwayne Wade. And, and that, I know you've been dying
0: uh, to compare the kid to Dwayne Wade since you saw him.
2: Well, I, 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 I am I aware mean, of that. Really, really, it was from his mixtape. And I know you're not supposed to judge a lot on that, but um, but but all those things are similar to what what a Wade type of player would bring. I'm not saying obviously Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer, but same, you know, virtually the same size and athleticism and, and in the passing lanes. And so anyway, that that's. Uh, in terms the, of style
0: of play, I agree. He yeah. has a, a Dwayne Wade style of play. That's
2: what that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so all right. So it sounds like Keith and Trevor aren't going to back down, and Jacob and Jaron have their work cut out for them as well um, in practice. And of course, nobody expects um, them to take many minutes from Jacob and Jaron. Pretty much just you know when they're tired and when they're in foul trouble. Um, but I think, and let's move to the second thing because I think these these last two are really intriguing to me, and and I've been. I've been talking to to friends and family about this for the last few weeks. I'm interested to get your take. So, you know, I think it's been assumed that that Kane Brim's the guy, and and we've heard, obviously, he's, he's, you know, Mick has said that he's possibly the best player on the team and all that, and the NBA scout stuff. So the assumption would be that he's going to start and play 25, 30 minutes at the point guard spot. But, but what about Jennifer? I mean, he, you know, he's a junior. He's been around a couple of years. He's had two summers now to to work on what the coaches want him to work on, work on his body. I mean, how is his? How is he coming along? And and what about like? Is he the type of competitor that's saying like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take those minutes. I'm gonna be the starter.
0: I mean, he's definitely, definitely progressed. I, the one thing I will say with him, I don't know that I've seen anybody improve their their perimeter shot more than I've seen him improve his. Uh, in the McCronin era. Because that knuckleball he shot when he got yeah. was as ugly as it could possibly get. And now he's he looks pretty comfortable from three-point range. He's got good rotation. He's got good arc. He's not using his shooting thumb to flick the ball or his, his guide thumb to flick the ball anymore. Um, he has really, really progressed as a, as a three-point shooter. And, I mean, I, I'm going to just be perfectly honest he's, he's not as good as Kane but he has certainly gotten himself to the point where he's good enough to log a considerable amount of minutes. Um, the only thing that you know in a, if the roster was constructed different, I think you could see some situations where I think you could see a, a decent amount of situations where you might play those two together. But with the way this roster is, like if you're playing those two together, one of those four wings is three of those four wings are off the floor. And that's gonna be really hard to to, right. to sell. Because I, I mean, it's funny because you talk about the strength of this team. Well, you've got Gary and Kyle and and Niger and Trey and Quad at the four and five. You've got the four guys we've talked about on the wings, and then you've got Kane and Justin at the point guard spot. Like, the legit two deep on this roster is pretty impressive. And then that's not right. mentioning guys like Ellie and, and Mamadou that are both long and, and play incredibly hard and active and get up and down the floor. Both of those guys run like deer. Um, one through 13, it's just an, it's an impressive collection of talent, and it's really hard to say, like, which spot is the strongest? Because yeah. there's strength at all of them.
2: So Jennifer, though, it'd be interesting because, like I said, he's a junior now, and and Troy just graduated, and it's it's like okay, you know, maybe maybe he thinks I'm sure he, he, he a competitive kid. They all, all are. Like I want to come in and get these minutes, but it sounds like at the pace that they're going to play with with the up tempo style, that it could just be that they're going to sub sub out. Kane for Justin every four or five minutes throughout the game, and they're each going to get twenty twenty-five, um, unless it's a team unless it's a certain game where you figure you need Kane on the floor for thirty minutes. But I, well, I guess the you're, question you're would gonna just be: is, do, do you think? Yeah, do you think Jennifer? Though, um, I mean, he, is is he the type of guy that can that can you know get to the point this year where he's getting twenty minutes or so um, consistently, um, just because you know he's trying to develop, and, and I know he. He made good strides last year, but you just had to have Troy out there so much for so many minutes, and and um, he didn't get a lot of he didn't get a lot of looks against the good teams. I guess is, is my point here. So I wonder is is he going to get to that level this year where, where Cronin can trust him, you know, in a, in a UCLA game or you know, good saviors certain games like that.
0: Yeah, I think there's a good chance he That's, will. Um, twenty minutes, I just don't know because that means taking yeah. Kane off the floor for twenty minutes and. Having your best player on the bench for half the game, I'm not a big fan. Like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of, a lot of need for that. Um, but I, I definitely think for 15, 16 minutes, Justin Jennifer is going to be exactly what you want from a backup point guard, and you're not going to have to change what you're doing for him. You're going to be able to continue to play up tempo. Yeah, he's not as fast as Kane, but he's probably a, a little bit better of a. A natural passer than Kane is so he's going to give you some different things he's going to give you the ability to do some different things and and I think yeah he'll definitely be able to step up to that challenge of of picking up some more minutes and being a guy that that you're going to start to trust and feel comfortable with with the game on the line Um, you know maybe not in the final three minutes of a game but you can put him in with eight minutes left and not worry about a three-point lead going to a five-point deficit. You know what I mean?
2: Right. So, and, and over to Kane just for a second here. And this is, the, I'm going to say, a reliable source. Talked to a, a veteran player on the team. I can't name names. But um, the veteran player said that the, the there's a little bit of worry on the team. That Kane may leave after this coming season. He may be a one and doneer, and um, and that that was that was a little bit of an eye opening thing to uh, to hear.
0: I mean, um, so I don't know. Well, let me stop. That, let me, that's something hold that, on. Let me stop okay. before we go any any farther with this. The the right. same concerns were said about Kyle Washington last year, and he didn't even put his okay. name in the draft. So I, yeah. I think well, that's something that yeah, you know, guys. Consider or there's a because a guy sat out and he's getting a little bit older. There's some concerns with, but I mean Kane is six yeah. foot one, one hundred and fifty eight pounds, 60 pounds soaking wet. Like
1: yeah. that's
0: not where's he going to go? I mean, and if he, right, if he mean, wants to, if he decides that you know at the end of this season that he thinks he's proven himself and he wants to go to to Europe and get paid, I mean I think that's fantastic, but I, I don't think. You know, look around, and, and you don't see him as a guy that's being. You know, it's not Jacob Evans where he's being projected mid-second round. He would literally have to come from completely off the board into being drafted. Which, how many times have we seen that happen? It, it doesn't happen very often in college.
2: Right, right, and and so I'm not, I don't. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm what I. The reason I brought that up is just that that just shows you that how well the kid is playing and how. How much respect his teammates have for uh, his ability, and so I thought that was interesting to, to hear that. I, I'm sure that it's probably not going to be the case. Now, you can't rule anything out anymore, but
0: well, well but I decided just just, to bring that you just up. Sent 600 members of our website into a <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Is good. Thanks, yeah. thanks, for, thanks so, for clearing um, that with me before you mentioned it on the podcast. <laughs> that's okay. You know, well, hey, it, 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 debates never. You know, we
2: might, might as well have more debate. But um, but we'll 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 put that to to bed for now and and I wanted to get to this might be the the most intriguing like kind of you know starter versus reserve and that's going to be Kyle Washington versus Nasir Brooks and I think that there are there are reasons to believe that Nasir may fit the um, change in style a little bit better he can run the floor. Um, you know, he's, he's better defender so that if you're in the scramble mode, when you're playing up and down a little bit more, you know, you trust him a little bit more to get back to protect the protect the rim. Meanwhile, and I don't want to, I don't want to rag on Kyle, you know, because he, he was very important last year. You know, he can put the ball in the hole. He's, he's intense. You he need that energy from him. He's very important to the team, but the fact remains, he took the most shots and he was the sixth most efficient player last year offensively. So, and not to mention obviously where the other part of his game is not the strongest so i think it's going to be very interesting to watch you know whether nasir can snag what portion of those minutes at that five spot that nasir can start to wrangle away from Kyle because last year we started to see a little bit of it before he tweaked his knee and i know you you you're definitely high on him and i i, I don't know what what have you seen so far this summer that to, to, you know as far as his development goes. I think Nasir, I think is.
0: he's made a really nice jump in his development. I, I, I've seen more skill on the offensive end. It's still not all the way where you would like to see it yet, but he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable with the back of the basket. He's shown nice touch out to 15, 17 feet, especially on that baseline jumper. Uh, I've seen him knock that down with some regularity. Um, and he, he gives you toughness, and he gives you a kid that's not going to back down. Again, another inner city kid that came in ready to fight. And I know, you know, there were a lot of people last year that coming into the season, and the numbers kind of changed us a little bit. If there was, you know, another guy or two on the roster, we would have heard a lot of people say that year should redshirt. And I think he showed, especially up until the knee got injured, that he was a, a very important part of his team. And his confidence took a hit a little bit is because he wasn't playing at 100% uh, after the knee injury, but he still battled and he still gave him some minutes. And if Kyle doesn't want to play defense, if Kyle doesn't want to give maximum effort all the time, Nazir's not going to have a problem eating his minutes.
2: Right. And that I think that's quite a storyline this season. I, I think it might even be the the main storyline or, you know, other than Kane, you know, and how, if he's the real deal or not, but like, just a very, very interesting storyline to, to keep an eye on because that, that the, you know, you got a 50 year senior who led the team in scoring last year, was the only one to average a double double per 40 minutes. And, and you, know, you got a, you got a kid, a young kid who's, you know, he, he's chomping at the bit that snagged those minutes. And, and he, as we've seen, there, there's, you know, we know there's two ways to lose minutes at Cincinnati not play defense and turn the ball over. And, um, so you know if he if he can fit in there I guess the, the the one thing is like so obviously in the open floor the way that he can run rim to rim and protect the rim and stuff we know he's he you know that's going to be an advantage for him in the half court if he can knock down a 15 footer at least have a threat of it and um, you know he'll battle on the boards and I'm sure he knows how to set a good screen all that stuff so he if the game does slow down a little bit can he play in that I would imagine so especially defensively so. Long story short, um, I'm keeping an eye on Kyle versus Nasir on the, uh, the minutes front this year.
0: I agree with you. I think it's going to be very interesting. And Kyle, the the thing I think that that is important to to remember with Kyle is, yeah, he led the team in scoring, but go back and look at the five toughest games last year.
2: Yeah, Butler,
0: Butler. Let's go. Let's go with these. Butler, Iowa State.
2: UCLA, two
0: SMU losses in UCLA. Pull that up. Yeah, it's not good.
2: No, I mean he. There, there. It's tough because it seems like if if he gets bodied and things don't go his way early, and in, in games like that, he he wasn't able to to stay the course and and have that mental toughness to get through it, and so. You know, especially if you've got enough scoring now. I mean, you know, last year we the Bearcats really needed his scoring punch. Certain certain areas on the in the you know on the roster weren't firing on all cylinders on offensively and needed him to put points on the board for some games, especially the Rhode Island game. But if if Kane's a real deal and you got Jacob and Jaron on the wings and obviously we know what Gary can do, it's not that imperative to have another scorer on there if he's going to hurt you on the other end. Which is where Nasir comes in. If he can fit into that what they're trying to do offensively and just not hurt the club and you know help a little bit. Obviously, if they're going offense defense with the two last year, you know that Coach uh, Cronin respects his defensive ability. So I don't know.
0: I mean, it's, all right. Here you know, we go. Gonna be, here we go. All
2: right.
0: Okay. I, go I, ahead. I would pretty and shooting great. He was six of fifteen from the floor, but he did have thirteen points and ten rebound to win. Yeah, he called that
2: game.
0: Eight, seven points, zero rebounds, and a loss. He got his butt kicked in that game. Yes, the,
2: the wide, wide man, yeah, wide and Travis dealt dealt on him, yeah. Uh,
0: they, um, they, SMU, second game, decent, 5 of 70 at 12 points, yeah, five rounds in 24 minutes.
2: minutes. Yeah, he battled in that one. I remember
0: he he wasn't Sorry, was, that game. Sorry, that was... That was oh, okay. The the was 4.6. Okay. Okay. You need your... You need to be better. Well, see, so you're looking... Yeah. And, sorry, go ahead. And then UCLA, 4PLA. Four, four Six rebounds, two fans for the floor, and the nine bounds, six bounds. yeah. I mean so, the, 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 the the and the, the UCLA the
2: UCLA, yeah.
0: It was oh, and uh, UCF uh, only seven points on three of fifteen shooting in the loss at Central Florida.
2: Right. He, yeah. I mean, but in your, and that's not even you're just looking at his his points and rebounds. Really, there you're not looking at the the other side too. So if he. When he struggles offensively, it, it's compounded by the fact that he's he has trouble on the other end. Um, I know that he definitely did not. You know, it was, remember the first game of the year last year? I think he had five or six assists, and he was saying, "I was just playing for my teammates and all that." And he really he went on like a streak where he had barely any assists for a long time there. And, and um, so you know, he, I th- but maybe they just said, "We need you to score. Just focus on that." And uh, and do your best on the other end, and just make sure you rebound the hell out of the ball. And uh, but either way, either way, I mean, you know, he's he and the Nasir combined. I mean, you, it's definitely pretty formidable, especially if Kyle's hitting some shots. But um, I still think Nasir can he can snag some minutes, and it's going to be up to Kyle to to have the toughness to if that does start to happen, then he's going to need to find a way to get back on the floor.
0: Tough season, please. Play the final five games
2: of season. Yeah, I think that might have been what I was referring to. Yeah, he just and and that's the thing is that that because the team you know teams load up on that left hand. I mean, he's got to find a way to counter that and, and just get his other guys and then just you know get deeper position and and you know get on the glass for some putbacks and stuff and so just expand his his the way that he can. Score and not have to just put his head down and throw it up there, which is what he did against UCLA. And in that game, that was like the, you know, they were in that game, but, you know, how many possessions did they just get, you know, not really what they would have liked to have gotten because of, you know, some of that. So either way, Nasir's working hard. He's ready. I'm, I'm interested to see how he uh, how he does this year, you know, snagging those minutes.
0: Interesting. All right, Bert. All right. That's gonna put up that's going to
2: So that's it for me for another month and a half. I better come up with some stuff, huh?
0: You might want to. You might to. <laughs> <laughs> <You are. laughs> yeah, I know. And we're getting, getting, getting right now. Right now. One month get three, so buy one one month for the, the one month four months of use for the price of one four month. One, is what we're doing right now at BearcatJournal.com. Go to uh com, click on, and that'll get you the uh one month get free, 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 free promotion. So new people, people are gonna be like, I burgody. What's he what's well, he doing? No, here? I
2: mean, they'll they'll see.
0: Alright. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm giving
0: you a hard time for throwing in that in the yard.
2: Yeah, the reliable source. <laughs>
0: I know. <laughs> I, I just want i want
2: to have a thread on that and go crazy. You know, so that'd be great.
0: <laughs> Why? What is it? How does that hurt you? somebody starts a thread. You don't have to deal with it. You're not okay. even going to be around and thread until November. <laughs> wait, what, wait. When's
2: when is the? Uh, do you know when Media Day is? Like the first day of practice, isn't it? Like early October.
0: Yeah. Um, it varies year to year. I don't know specifically when yet, but
2: okay.
0: Out here's a little closer, and I get out of the uh, ball and but um, I you know that sure definitely. So, Thanks to I'm talking to. I'm talking to and thank you, Kleinberg, for, for, for me, for me, for me, for me. We did. A whole lot of, uh, brought some good stuff there. Some good points of discussion. Uh, we can hit it up. So for basketball, that for a little while, maybe. A while. Yeah, once he gets once back, this, this, and we uh, we start hearing about bits, and there's some things about some we'll do a. Uh, uh, Half and half episode where we'll half where we'll do half football, half basketball, uh, and give everybody their basketball fix. But for now, that's going to shut it down on the basketball side for at least a couple weeks. So everybody say bye to Berg. We'll see him sometime, sometime <laughs> down the road. <laughs> but I'm Chad. I'll
2: Brindle. be ready. I'm
0: Chad Brindle. He's Justin Berg. Thanks again to Brian Snow. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.